0: we will get started then so hello and welcome everyone to the unsolicited wrestling podcast or stream it's a stream now when you watch it live over on twitch but when it's a podcast later it's a podcast is what it is but yes thank you everyone for coming and joining we got at least five people in the chat right now hello hippie exterminator hello legend of shazam hello wade hello amazing spider-man again Here's the thing, on this show, on the unsolicited wrestling podcast stream, we do things a little differently here. I, Cape am your host, but also you as the chat is my co-host on this one. So I am very happy for you joining me on this one. Mm. But yes, to kick the show off in what I'm hoping will become a trend, I did it for episode one and I want this to be a thing moving forward. It's time for one of my favorite segments, one of what I'm sure will be many brand new segments, and that is what wrestling shirt is Joel wearing today? And today, as you can see, I am wearing a The Club shirt, but not a club shirt that you would know. Not the club shirt that was ever made available at uh, www.merch.com. No, I got this one from TeePublic. And you know what? I got this one from TeePublic. Normally, I'm all about supporting the actual wrestlers, but here's the thing. This shirt was better because it's with their original design. When they first premiered, they got you know kendo stick, gas mask, skull thing. It's so much better than what they eventually ended up getting. I liked this one more so that's why I'm sticking around with this one hello SD Anthony we were just in the middle of uh, what wrestling shirt is Joel wearing this week and uh, yes I got this shirt from T Public. because here's the thing sometimes T Public actually does better when it comes to wrestling shirts they have some interesting designs and say you like stuff uh, like maybe from old ring of honor that isn't around anymore say you like stuff from New Japan that is harder to get in your country or more expensive to get, well, you can get something at TeePublic that is rather similar. And in fact, I am very happy to say it's only episode two, it's only stream number two, but guess what? We actually got some sponsorship going into this show. Now, I know, right? And it's a great sponsor because it allows me to pass some savings on to you, the viewer. Because I like you, because I care about you, and because you're essentially my co-host for this stream. I want to tell you about TeePublic. I'm sure you've seen it. It's helped a lot of your other favorite YouTubers get shirts of their own, get merch of their own made. When I go to cons, that's what I do. I just wholesale my TeePublic stuff. But right now, right now, for the first time, uh, I have actually been given a 30% off coupon for Tee Public, that I am passing the savings on to all of you right now. You can go and get yourself an awesome shirt like the one I'm wearing right now. You can also check out my own storefront that I have set up. Uh, I put that in the chat right now for everyone to see and I'll also put it down in the description when I do this. This code is good until the 30th of the month, so check that one out, get yourself a nice shirt there, I have a bunch of wrestling shirts on my storefront of some stuff I like, maybe you'll like it too, and if you buy something off my storefront, and even if you just use my code and visit the site via the link I put there in the chat, uh, I get to clean up a little bit on that, so you're supporting the show, you're supporting me, and you're supporting great artists out there, everybody wins. Mm. Now with that everyone, I suppose we can actually get to the news of this week, and it's been a rather large week, and again, you know, the the, the Cape Joel wrestling show, the unsolicited wrestling stream, it's not like other shows, we're not going to cover everything, I mean, if the chat wants me to cover something, I'll probably cover it, but again, this is, this is the stuff that stuck out to me, this was the stuff that really made me think, and of course, the first piece of news, if you couldn't tell from the thumbnail of this episode, and that is the club. Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, it was rumored this week that they might very well be leaving the Fed. They might be walking away from the WWE despite the fact that they have supposedly the rumor has been offered multi million dollar contract extensions that they, you know, they want to leave and they wanna, you know, seek out some greener pastures. And I think we can all agree Can you blame them? I don't think you can blame them. The Good Brothers have been really, really underused in what has to be probably one of the weakest times for tag wrestling in the WWE, and to think that they were so damn good in New Japan, and this is great too, because I get to talk about how much I loved them in New Japan. Heck, I loved Carl Anderson when he was teaming with Giant Bernard, aka Matt Bloom, aka Prince Albert. That's how long I had watched New Japan for, and how long I had super been into that. I guess the question is, really, where did it go wrong for the Good Brothers? Where did it go wrong for Gallos and Anderson? Because if you'll recall, when they started, they started super strong. They beat up the Usos. They beat up John Cena. They beat up Roman Reigns. And they did it all in casual wear, too. They came in almost like Hall and Nash as the Outsiders. And they, uh, they did a lot of damage, and they were put over super strong. I think that, honestly, the problem for them was it was all about timing. They couldn't put the belts on them right away because this was when the New Day was really close to breaking Demolition's record. Is is. So they couldn't put it on them right away, and even though they got to carry the belts, even though they got to eventually carry them, they won it in a nothing Royal Rumble match, due to a lot of shenanigans, there was some stuff with two refs, so it was a really unsatisfying win, and even though they got to carry the tag titles into WrestleMania, it didn't matter because they lost them instantly to the returning Hardy Boys, which was a great moment for them, but a really bad moment for Gallows and Anderson. Now, even though they haven't really been seen much on TV, and even though they haven't been racking up wins, they have been around, they've been relegated to doing mostly comedy spots. Again, we all remember the ring post-itis sketches, the good doctors, and all that stuff. But uh, even even just outside those things, uh, they would keep busy. They were featured quite prominently on Ride Along. I dare say they were probably featured on Ride Along more than just about any other team, and they were always funny. They were always funny they were always entertaining and maybe that's what sealed their doom because it feels like vince mcmahon is one of those guys where it's like oh you're funny huh you do comedy well guess what you're going to be doing comedy for the rest of your life now they also never pulled the trigger to put them as a faction either with aj styles or finn balor for long probably because both those guys were still finding their feet aj eventually found it finn oh we'll talk about finn later in the show don't you worry But uh, yeah, it's been a strange, it's been a strange ride for them. And a lot of people are saying that maybe that this is this is all rumors. Apparently, Carl Anderson himself on his Instagram page had his kids saying, hey, don't believe everything you read online. He was also in a Sam Roberts podcast just recently where he talked about how much he truly loves working for the WWE and wants to keep working for them. There's also the pilot show for Botch Club that the two of them had put together that maybe if they're not going to be on TV, they would still get their own little show on the network. Much to the chagrin of uh, Matthew from Botchamania because, well, this is basically just his shtick only, you know, done officially, which, you know unfortunate for him that man does good work the uh, question is of course and the chat has already beaten me to this one and that is where could potentially could they go next if they are indeed turning down these multi-million dollar contracts as the rumor would suggest AEW seems to be the obvious one and we're going to be talking more about AEW later don't you worry all their friends work there now it's the hottest up-and-coming company It also helps that Anderson and Gallows were both invited to Rocky Romero's uh, wedding not so long ago, as you can see on Instagram, and the Young Bucks were there, and Cody was there, and basically everyone who's going to be the backbone of AEW was there. And maybe that changed their mind. Maybe that changed their mind. The chat's also saying possibly return to New Japan. Uh, Now would actually be a very good time for them to return to New Japan. Obviously, uh, New Japan lost a ton of American talent when the elite and everything exited to go do uh, AEW so they could use some more American talent in there. It would be a nice bit of continuity to see them return if they did leave because these were two guys who people forget were founding members with Tama with Prince David, with uh, Bad Luck Fale and everything else. So to see them return, I think would, you know, uh, c- kind of give their blessing in a way. I know I've dropped off watching New Japan, not because I don't like her, because I don't think it's a great product. It's just all the guys I was following and all the stories I was really invested with went elsewhere. And Jay White hasn't totally won me over yet. He's good, but he hasn't won me over yet, me personally. But yeah, to think that they're probably more interesting and more sought after now, even though the WWE has gone out of their way to not use them and then bury them when they did use them. But uh, again, they still have value. They still have cachet, and they still have friends in high places. Maybe, maybe this means nothing. Maybe they will stay. Maybe this is just rumor mongering. Maybe, again, as the chat said, this is just a way for them to, you know, drum up more interest to try and uh, get a little bit more money for when they eventually do sign some new contracts, but uh, definitely something to think about. I hope they go seek greener pastures. I really do. I I don't know about them returning to Japan because I know they said in interviews that they liked working for the Fed because it meant they didn't have to leave their families and they didn't have to uh, travel as far. And again, if you know Carl Anderson, dude's got a lot of kids. Dude's got a lot, a lot of kids. A lot of a lot of Jay White love too in the uh, in the chat right now. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so that's that news, everyone, and uh, we're not done yet. We mentioned AEW, but guess what? There's more AEW news. Uh, good old Jim Ross, it was made official this week, uh, will actually be going to work for All Elite Wrestling. This this actually isn't much of a surprise at all because uh, he had been like uh, tied to the company for a very, very long time. Even before we knew AEW was a thing, him and Tony Khan and everything they said were working together. Obviously, again, if you watch the New Japan shows, Ross would do commentary over there. Arguably not great com- commentary. He had trouble remembering a lot of the Japanese guy's name, but you know, he's only human. He's still beloved, though, still carries a ton of respect. And you know, when he's on, he's really on. Yeah, Bago, Jim Ross <laughs> is an W. Yeah, basically. And you know, obviously, I think any company that he does end up working for is going to get a lot of eyes on them. So, you know, it's no surprise that he would want to go work for them. And it's true, as Legend of Shazam says, hopefully uh, JR will have some of the passion when he's uh, the play by play guy for AEW. Uh, definitely agreed. you know, he seems like a guy who wants to keep working. You know, he lost his wife not too long ago. And uh, he definitely seems like one of those guys where it's like, if I don't keep working, you know, I might die. I'm like the Charles Schultz peanuts guy. And I think we'd all be really sad if that happened. So, you know, wherever, wherever he can get work. And again,. That just makes AEW even more of a must-see product when it eventually does come out. Can't wait for that, by the way. I, I tried really hard, actually, to get tickets to Double or Nothing, and I couldn't do it. Yeah, that's how quickly they sold out. I was really I was really dedicated to try and get there, but, oh, well, you know, live and let live. I actually think I uh, entered a wrestling tea contest, actually, to get you there. But should be good, and I'll definitely cover that one when that comes out uh comes out on the pay-per-view. Uh now what else do we have going here? Uh ooh, on television this week, Kurt Angle announced that this WrestleMania will be his retirement match. He's done after this, which I mean, I think we all felt this kind of had to come for a bit. You know, Kurt Angle in this last run, a lot of it was him kind of just winding it down. And you know what what a career he's had and what, you know, demons he's overcome. And everything, it's really something you gotta respect and something you kind of gotta be in awe with. And the question now is who do we think, chat, will his final match be against? I've heard some rather interesting theories across the board, and I would love to hear what you all think. A lot of people are saying John Cena, and apparently, John Cena himself is being a little coy about it uh, on Twitter. Apparently, he's talking about it. Obviously, Cena v. Angle one last time would be a great callback to, uh, was it to the Ruthless Aggression era and you know, kind of the match that made Cena put him over, it would be a nice way to put it all together. Ah, uh, the the chat, uh, Longstar is saying Charlie Haas, funny you should say Haas, uh, Shelton Benjamin was back on TV this week, again, they basically just talked him up so Rollins could beat him, so they could, you know, make it seem more realistic that maybe he could beat, uh, Lesnar, I would very much actually like to see Angle v. Shelton, Because I think Shelton is great, and I think Shelton should get more TV time. He's a super talented guy who you barely see anymore. You see him more on up, up, down, down than you see him on anything else. And I think that's a crying shame for a dude who probably should have been champion a long time ago. You know, there's Talk 2. It's like, you know, the t- Taker doesn't have a match this year. Is he in the outs with Vince because he's going to the AEW StarCast? Could it be Angle v. Taker again? Or are they going to make that a big celebrity match? Uh, could this be uh, Angle putting over Gable, who's a guy who's more or less, you know, inherited his gimmick? It'd be nice if, you know, he could put over someone who really needed it and someone who really deserved it on his way out the door. I just don't know who that person would be. But yes, any uh, any other ones in the chat there for who you think he could potentially put over? I-, I had a couple other ones, but I lost them. Yeah, Angle v. Gable would be cool, because again, that's basically his gimmick, and if he could put him over as like the best technical wrestler in the company. I know Gable's doing the tag team feud thing right now, but I don't think anyone would care. Again, we'll talk about that later when we talk about Fastlane. What if it's someone from NXT? Not a bad idea, Longstar. I wonder who from NXT they would put over <laughs> Matt riddle I think riddle's gonna be busy that weekend with a lot of stuff angle Joe that would be good I think they're building up angle or uh, Joe Mysterio for the uh for the United States Championship but that would be cool yeah probably not taker because you know him and Vince are a little mad at each other right now the uh the top ones definitely seem to be Cena potentially Cena. I would like to see it be uh, Shelton Benjamin, but I know it's probably not going to be Shelton Benjamin this late in his career. Yeah, I mean, Angle Joe would be great, too, because you could harken back to a bunch of TNA stuff, which they seem less and less afraid of to harken back to these days. Oh, man, Angle versus EC3. I mean, we would first have to unbury EC3's corpse and get him on television instead of the island of misfit toys he's in. But that would have been nice. There's a there's a lot of ways they could go with this. I think I think we'll be surprised who his opponent actually ends up being. But yeah, that's uh, that's the Kurt Angle news. Everyone, what else do we got going on here now? Uh, oh hey, so some Hall of Fame news. Harlem Heat is officially going into the Hall of Fame. Good good for them. Good for Booker. Good for Stevie. I never watched the Hall of Fame, but I always like to know who's going into the Hall of Fame, and I think they deserve it. And also, I think this is like a for Booker, this is his second Hall of Fame thing. He's in as a solo act. This is his first as a tag team. You know what they gotta do, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing a joke from someone else, is they need, they need to put uh, Booker in five times, five times. They got him on his own. They got him with Harlem Heat. The, the, every other faction he's been in, King Booker needs to go in on his own, and then they need to think of, like, two other ones to put him in. The question then remains, too, who's gonna put uh, him in Stevie? In the Hall of Fame. A lot of people said it's a shame Sherry isn't alive anymore, because she would have been a good choice. Maybe Bischoff. Maybe Bischoff would do it. I could see them uh, picking Bischoff to do it. Or maybe Mark Henry too, because you know they all seem pretty tight and pretty good friends. But yeah, that's uh, that's just some minor uh, Hall of Fame news right there that I just thought was interesting, you know, because you gotta you, you, you gotta pay respect, you gotta pay respect to give respect, and they uh, they had a very respectable career, uh, Harlem Heat. Ooh, and so some sad news here in title change news, and uh, this will be the last actual news piece here before we get talking about uh, Fast Lane and what happened, but. Uh, Finn Balor this week lost his IC title to Bobby Lashley after only having it for three weeks, and I'm pretty sure that I made the exact same face Balor's looking right now when it happened. <laughs> and yeah, that's that, that was my face right there. Oh no, oh no, oh Finn. He only had it for three weeks. What the hell, and the IC belt wasn't even defended at Fastlane, so to take him off it like it did made made no real sense to me. Now obviously because the internet is the internet, they have been abuzz with rumors over what this could potentially mean. Maybe he's losing the title now, so at Mania, uh, what is it, when uh, Mania eventually rolls around, he can come out as the Demon, get a big Demon entrance, which they have not done at WrestleMania yet, and I think that's a total missed opportunity. He can come out as Demon Finn, and then he can defeat uh, Lashley and uh, probably Leo Rush, too, completely clean, and that will, you know, solidify his IC title run. Or maybe not, or maybe Vince McMahon is just bored booking this, and he'll move on to something else. But uh, I would definitely like to see that. Uh, maybe m- m- maybe that's totally like, you know, glass half full thinking here. It's like, no, 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 he lost it to get him ready for something else. Yeah, that was another one that Wade brings up here, that the reason he lost the title is that because maybe he's going to be getting like a special super secret uh, taker match at Mania, where it's like, oh, they got to keep it secret. Which again, if he does get that taker match, he sure as fuck better win it. At this point, you know, I don't want this to be one of the times where Undertaker's like, nope, I get to win on my way out, brother, is what I get to do. Because obviously, you know, Undertaker had a very operatic, over-the-top, you know, horror-themed gimmick. Finn Balor the Demon has it too, so it would be nice that you know, kind of pass the torch, you know, the way he probably should have passed the torch to Bray Wyatt when he had the chance but didn't. I would definitely like to see that because I know Vince McMahon and Triple H have often said, oh, you know, a match with The Undertaker, that's almost, you know, as good as a title shot. That's a marquee match. But again, that's if Taker's even involved and if Vince is still mad at him for whatever reason. Although it would be funny that he gets him back only to punish him by getting him to lose to Balor. Uh, I just want the best for Finn Balor. I think they're leaving so much money. On the table for Balor, uh, Legend of Shazam mentioned they should bring back the European Championship. Uh, put a put a pin in that, actually, uh, Legend of Shazam, because you know on the weeks when there's no new news, I want to actually do some topics, and I think that would be one. Also, hello, Mister Giggles, welcome. We were just talking about the sad state of Finn Balor. Now I don't know what Balor's contract looks like, but from what I understand and from what I've told and you know been told in the dirt sheets and everything. They, you know, gave a lot of people a lot of money to stick around. And I wonder if uh, AEW being a thing has given Finn itchy feet to think, oh, I could go somewhere else and be a top guy somewhere else where they'd actually use me. I wonder. I truly, truly wonder. I also wonder, too, if they, you know, the reason Finn is sticking around is also why the club may potentially be sticking around because they have in the back of their head, oh, no, no, eventually they'll put us together in a team and that'll be a real big money-making opportunity. Imagine the shirt sales. Eh. Oh yeah, that's right, I guess the European title is back, it's just on NXT UK. I forget NXT UK is a thing, honestly. I'm sure they do great work there, I'm sure they have great talent, but I'm always like, oh yeah, you guys have an NXT too, don't you? Oh, and you have your own takeover too. Rhea Ripley's great, isn't she? The Riptide is a great move. But yeah, so that... That, that, that's the news that I cared about this week and really that's what we should call this segment because I'm not going to talk about every piece of news just the stuff that I care about I'm I'm sure it is great I'm sure NXT UK truly is great uh but yes obviously fast lane was this week we uh I, I had my predictions in the previous issue or issue pff, what is this? this isn't a comic book I'm not I'm not a comic book reviewer now I have my wrestling shirt on damn it. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go over the Fastlane card, we'll talk about the matches, and we'll see where my predictions were right, where it was wrong, and also where, where the show's going now, because obviously SmackDown and Raw have aired since then. But uh, uh, first up here, we have the first match of the night. Yeah, uh, a, a lot of this card was subject to change, actually, over time, and a lot of stuff wasn't as advertised. We actually got uh, other matches, but yes, it was the tag match to start us off here. Usos v Miz and Shane it, it played out basically exactly like I thought it would the big big standout moment is what I'm showing you right now and that is the dueling dueling coast to coast in midair which is actually pretty goddamn impressive actually for a dude who's not a wrestler and a dude who's as old as my dad that's pretty impressive that that was the big moment of the match Miz and Shane lose which hey as we all guessed as we could all see from a mile away led to Big Sweaty Shane going Big Sweaty Heel on Mr. Miz and his porno stash, and it's so sad because they're wearing the same shirt. Miz actually did sell this one pretty hard as, you know, like a real heartbreaking moment for him. His father comes under attack. Shane, the guy who he's been kind of treating like a father, and they've been having this moment with each other there. He truly feels sad. They're really doing a good job building the sympathy Uh, for Miz and, you know, trying to facilitate his turn to a face, and I think it will be good, you know, I, I, again, I will admit I am kind of newer to the WWE thing, I've only been watching for a handful of years now, so I've only known The Miz for his, like, top tier intercontinental heel work, like, I didn't even know him the one time he was champion, the one uh, time when he was, like, you know, post uh, reality shows and shit, so, you know, I only know this guy now, and I gotta say, I like this guy. And I like Miz and Misses. I don't watch a lot of it, but what I've watched of it is kind of funny. But yeah, they're gonna have a match in Mania, I'm sure it will be good. I'm sure it will definitely be good. <laughs> As Wade brings up, he's big and sweaty, because he's the best in the world, he has a trophy for it. You're right, Wade, he is the best wrestler in the world, he has a trophy, so we know, which again... I hated when that happened, when he won the best in the world uh, Royal Rumble thing in Saudi Arabia, but the fact that that's facilitating his heel turn actually made me like it. Yeah, wait, everyone tells me there his tag run with John Morrison was pretty good. He's had a lot of tag runs over the years, but uh, that was that match. The next match we had was Asuka... versus uh, Mandy Rose. Thankfully, I was dead wrong about this one. I was afraid they might actually let Mandy win here to try and create some drama heading into Mania, but no, Asuka fucking murdered her. She kicked her to death repeatedly with ridiculously strong strikes. It was almost a callback to the Asuka of old that we love and miss from NXT. I'm glad that this was this was a glorified squash match in a way. I'm glad that, uh, that she beat her down so hard. What's happening with this program? I don't know. She fought Sony Deville like in the next couple nights. Who honestly, Sony Deville, at least she has the MMA background, so at least she would be a more realistic uh, opponent for her. I don't know if they want to do that going into uh, Mania or if they're going to like tr- finally going to try and pull the trigger on Lacey Evans or something. I feel bad for Asuka. Asuka's entire program and indeed her entire belt have been completely forgotten and eclipsed by the becky ron Charlotte feud that is going on, which is such a shame. I wish she had a better opponent, but I really don't know who to put her up against at this point. That, you know, wouldn't uh, wouldn't make her look bad. (laughs) Well, obviously Asuka's got to be ready for Lacey Evans. Everyone's ready for Lacey Evans. She keeps coming out and walking away. (laughs) I'm super ready. Yeah, Asuka has no story right now, Ninjack, and that's such a shame cuz she's so good and she was so good in NXT and to think the fact that like this time, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, they had her big match with Charlotte that at least felt important cuz it was the franchise versus the streak and then she ended up losing her streak there and it's been it's been hard for her to cry and cra- uh, try and crawl her way back, but at least Creative is writing her like an unstoppable killer again at least she is just demolishing people. Yeah, Asuka versus Awesome Kong. They'll get Awesome Kong out of retirement to come and fight her. They'll they'll dig up the ghosts of the jumping bomb angels and she'll have to fight both at the same time. Yeah, you know, if ever there was a situation where we're gonna talk about a celebrities women's match, but if there was ever a situation where they should have called in a celebrity part-timer. This is it. Actually, hey, fun story. in NXT near the end of Oscar's tenure, she was actually supposed to fight uh, Trish Stratus in Toronto for takeover Toronto. That didn't happen because Stratus was pregnant again, so they got Mickey James back. Mickey James actually ended up liking what she was doing. and we got way more Mickey James. But yeah, yeah, as the chat's saying, yeah, Oscar versus Trish Stratus because whatever. Again, they could do that. It's mania. It's the time when you like accept silly shit like that. They could also go really crazy and be like, alright, let's make this an even bigger multi-woman match where it's like, you know, Oscar versus every other woman on the roster who didn't get to do anything this year. But yeah, that's uh, that's Oscar right now. I don't know, man. I don't know what they're going to do with this storyline. I don't think they care. I mean, maybe, if nothing else, maybe it'll be short. Maybe she'll just destroy her opponent at WrestleMania. She'll just walk in like Goldberg and just, you know, demolish them in a couple seconds. All right. Now what was the next match after that? Oh, yes, another impromptu match that was not advertised, and that is of course uh Kofi in a handicap match against all the other tag teams with nothing else to do. This this was obviously to build Kofi's, you know, underdog status here fighting against the evil McMahon family. Because that's like half the face roster right now is fighting a battle against the evil McMahon family. But hey, you know what? It's working. It's working. This worked to build sympathy for him. But it was what they did a couple nights later that worked actually even better. And that is, of course, when Kofi confronted McMahon with the rest of the new day and you know, he didn't beg, but he just pleaded his case for why he deserves a title and the and the crowd was so behind him all night long with we want Kofi, we want Kofi and it really got us to see another side of the new day we don't see very often that is hey, they are super talented and they can be serious when they have to. And you know, biggie fighting so hard for Kofi as well warmed my heart because let's face it. Big E was an NXT champion, he also probably should have had a chance, but has never been given a chance to, you know, do it as a main eventer, and that's because, well, McMahon said it himself, didn't he? You people, we know what he means when he says you people, he means because they're black, that's why... (laughs) Which at least at least they're leaning in to, you know, the racism of Mr. McMahon, which is probably the racism of the real life Vince McMahon. But the thing that really sold this feud and it sold it a little bit later, is when McMahon invokes uh Daniel Bryan and saying, You don't deserve this match, Kofi, because you're a B plus player. And that's such a beautiful cutting line. Because it hurts Kofi, and it's really nasty that McMahon said it, but also, between this and how Daniel Bryan is treating Mustafa Ali in their program, Daniel Bryan as a villain has now come full circle, and now he's every bit as bad as Triple H was back in, like, WrestleMania 30, trying to keep people down because they were smaller or different or, you know, weren't the traditional WWE champion, and, like, man... When wrestling writing is good and when wrestling storytelling is good, it's really, really good. Even if they're relying on kind of a tired uh, trope of, you know, having to trot out the McMahon family to, you know, be the evil villains that need to be overcome. But uh, yeah, I mean, everyone in the chat is saying they're hoping that he's going to win the championship at Mania. I think they have to now. I think they've written themselves into a corner where if they don't do this, we're just going to gripe and moan about it. And we're not saying he has to keep it as fans. We're just saying let him win it. Let him have his WrestleMania moment. And then if you feel so inclined to strip him of it the night after, do it. I mean, come on, you did it to Zack Ryder and everything. But he needs – he deserves it. And it would be a nice feel-good moment for him if he won. And also it would kind of vindicate like the good work of the New Day too, I believe. If Kofi won that title because if he wins it they kind of all win it yeah exactly Legend of Sazam if Kofi loses we riot they should also let him win because if he doesn't yeah those fans are where is it this year Florida where where is Mania this year? Wherever they are, if Kofi, if Kofi loses, those fans are going to destroy that stadium. So they better they better watch out about that. But yeah, Kofi's been on fire recently on the mic. The New Day has been great. It's wonderful cuz you can fe- you can feel the friendship and you can feel the love between these guys. And again, when wrestling writing is at its best, it's performers saying stuff that they probably believe anyway. And, you know, when Kofi is fighting for his thing, saying, you know, I've never complained, I've had so much time away from my family, you know, working for here, breaking my back for like 11 years over a decade, and I never complained, he's probably said those words out loud to himself many a time. Oh, it's in New Jersey? Oh, Jesus, it's a shame Sal doesn't like wrestling, I could go hang out with him. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's good quality stuff. That's a good quality storyline. Actually, you know, for, for for all we complain about WWE, this this mania has some really strong storylines going into it. And this this you know fast lane, which is usually a nothing pay per view, and I really thought it was going to be a nothing pay per view. They actually developed quite a few really meaningful stories this uh, this year. And you know, when you compare it to last year at mania, when there was no stories going on. It's, you know, really nice how they've changed stuff around, even if they've only done it in the last couple weeks, and even if sometimes, like the Kofi story, they've fallen into it completely by accident, because Kofi wasn't even supposed to be in the match that got him all this groundswell, but, uh, yeah, what else do we got going on here, uh... Oh yes! Next we had the other tag match of the night. Revival wins with Shatter Machine uh, pinning uh, Peter Peterborough's favorite son, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. I love Bobby Roode, by the way. I don't think I've gotten a chance to say this, but Bobby Roode was literally born and lives like two towns over from me. He's—they uh, actually played like his theme song on the radio out here. That's how—that's how popular he is. But yes, they—they they lost. They ate the pin for Alistair Black and Ricochet, as we knew they would. But this. This is where it gets strange. It's not enough that Black and Ricochet needed to have the pins eaten for them, but even after the Revival 1, they needed to get their asses kicked by Ricochet and Black, who, Ricochet is over like Rover in that crowd because how could he not be? His moveset is so amazing, and so stellar, and he's so acrobatic, and he just does stuff that makes you go wow and drops your jaw Aleister Black's pretty good too. I don't know if a lot of his mystique has translated nearly as well. But yeah, Revival wins, but they still lose because we still need to smash over these NXT stars because we've called them up and so they got their asses kicked. This This match is even crazier in retrospect because you have Ricochet and Black, the two hot new NXT stars that they're trying really hard to get over. Versus old, misused NXT talent, like The Revival, who felt dead on arrival for the longest time. Root, who was a goddamn NXT champion, and has fallen so far from where he was. And Gable, yet another tag champion. They were tag champions, right? Uh, American Alpha, they they were tag champions. Yes, I'm I'm not imagining things. I might be imagining things, but yeah. To think, I'm sure they took that loss and they're like, man, I really, really wish. I mean, yeah, the the U.S. Championship. Yeah, Rude was a U.S. Champion, but I mean, not for long. And does that even count anymore? That's a nothing Championship, and he didn't even hold it for long. But uh, yeah, uh, I can only imagine that when they were eating that loss in the ring, they're like, man, I, I we wish we were protected like this when we came to the main roster. I mean, maybe they did not. They did Okay, they did have the tag titles in NXT and on SmackDown. Okay, cool. Okay, thank you, Hippie Exterminator. So, yeah, American Alpha did okay. Chad Gable did okay. But he could be doing better is the thing. But, yeah, so it's so funny to see Aleister Black and Ricochet protected so well. As they should be. They're great. But they should be doing that for every NXT call-up. They shouldn't just have them lose so hard in record time. Also, too, it's like I don't, I don't know where this program is going to go. Are they gonna put the titles on Ricochet and Black at some point? They don't need them, they're single wrestlers, is the thing. They don't they don't wrestle in tag teams, they just smack them together for this show because they're partners here and they're partners in the Dusty Road Classic over on NXT. It's such it's such a weird time. And I really worry about these guys after Mania, because it really feels like McMahon called up like eight NXT people in a short amount of time just because he wanted to pop ratings, just because he was scared. And is Creative gonna have anything for these guys? Where's Sanity? Where is my beloved sanity? Sanity is missing. Please so oh, actually, actually no, you know, sanity isn't missing. You know where they are? If you follow them on Twitter, Alexander Wolf actually had a show in Germany they let him do. And they actually let Damo go back and do an ICW show in Scotland. They are they are being so underused that the company is actually allowing them to go do other stuff in their home country. <laughs> NXT wrestlers are more protected than uh, Triple H. They are now Legend of Shazam. They never used to be. I mean, hell, w- w- what happened to the Authors of Pain? They're gone now. So many people just up and gone. Uh, What else do we have going on here? I I, 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 I ranted on that one for a while, but hey, that's the show. Uh, okay, next up we actually had probably my favorite match of the night, if you can believe it, mainly because it was just so surprising. The U.S. title scene is actually heating up in ways I never could expect, and all it took was just putting the belt on Samoa Joe. This, of course, was another match that we didn't think was going to happen, but yeah, we had Joe, Andrade, Rey, and uh, R-Truth all together in the ring, and I think these guys, uh, these guys actually put on a hell of a show in this one, these guys these guys were trying to steal the show and I think they most definitely did. This this one kinda had everything, you had Joe's power, you had Andrade's uh, technical acumen, you had Rey Mysterio's high flying stuff going on, you had R-Truth being hilarious. I love R-Truth now saying, oh, I look up to John Cena, John Cena's my hero and he's just doing John Cena moves, even though he's like six years older than Cena. <laughs> it's good shit, it's really good shit. They all work well together. And you know what? I'm going to say this, too, because I don't think they get enough credit. Uh, Carmella and Zelina, the managers, they were great. They were great in this, too. I think Carmella has really reimagined herself in a great way as our hype woman. I really like her now. I was so indifferent to her before, even back when she was working with Enzo and Cass. I genuinely like her now. And Zelina, Zelina's a great wrestler on her own and she can make amazing shit happen between the ropes. I think she might be the best manager they've had since Lana, and Zelina's definitely a better wrestler than Lana. I think they're great, and they had their little scuffle out there. I think it's really solid. Uh, Joe retains, of course, because, yeah, he should definitely hold on to the belt, as the chat is saying. Probably for a while, because he actually gives it meaning, and it's actually important to him. And he actually cares about it. And if he cares about it, other people care about it. So simple, and yet they've forgotten it. I don't know where they're going to go with this feud, though, because they had this match, and then they had basically the exact same match on TV a couple nights later, only it was a tag, heels and faces versus each other. Mysterio pins Joe in a very ugly flesh-colored bodysuit. I don't know what the hell he was thinking there. And Joe gets so pissed off, he kills everyone in the ring, friend and foe alike. I wonder, are they working up to a Mysterio-Joe thing uh, for Mania? I think that would be a cool match. If they do, I actually think they'd put the belt on Mysterio because he hasn't been a U.S. title guy yet, I don't think. Because uh, Corey Graves made a point of saying that, uh, oh, this is the one championship he hasn't captured yet, which means they probably want to give him a WrestleMania moment at uh, WrestleMania for him to actually uh, become a Grand Slam champion there. But, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. I I hope they keep it interesting. Because if they keep basically just giving us variations on the match we had tonight, it'll only go downhill, which I would not like to see. Maybe Maybe if they put a ladder in there, maybe if they put some tables and chairs in there, That might make it a little bit more interesting. That'd be fun. Ooh, what if Joe gets his own custom US title? Ooh, I'd like that. That'd be fun. I like it when people do custom titles. Yeah, John Cena is another rumor, as Ninjax says. Maybe it'll be Joe versus him. And again, if Cena puts Joe over, like I said last week, that, that will almost make it all worthwhile, won't it? Lumberjack matches, Wade says, yeah, some some sort of interesting match stipulation, because, you know, WrestleMania usually all, all, needs one, you know, like a ladder match or a table match. I I guess Batista, uh, Batista Triple H is going to be no holds barred. So, I mean, I guess that's one type of uh, gimmick match that they have. But... Uh, yeah, that, that one I really liked. I think that was my favorite only because it was so surprising. I didn't expect it to be as good as it was, but everyone totally brought their A game, and I'm actually interested in the freaking U.S. title scene again, which I never, I never thought I would be because it's been so bad for so long. <laughs> uh, now, what did we have after that? Ooh, we have the women's tag match. Nothing really happened in this match. This match wasn't important. What was important is that even after the good guys win, the heels aren't done yet because they pick a fight with commentator Beth Phoenix, which means that her and best friend Natalie Nightheart, who I love Natty, again, like I said, I've only been watching wrestling for a number of years, so I missed her whole diarrhea phase, thankfully, so I am not, you know, uh, tainted on that, but yes, they're they're officially in the mix now. Uh, for the ladies tag scene, and I guess Beth Phoenix is going to be the big celebrity uh, c- celebrity guest star for the women. Now I don't know if they're actually going to put the titles on them, and if Beth is going to stick around for a bit, or you know if they're just doing this to kind of you know get more eyes on it. I do think it's cool though they're involved, and this also means Sasha and Bailey can be away from like the top heel team, which. Love or hate Nia and Tamina. They are the top heel team in the women's tag division. Yeah, I love Beth too. Agreed. And it's definitely cool to see her back again. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be controversial too. I don't hate Nia Jax when she is a heel. I thought she did very good heel work in NXT when she was basically Ivan Drago. And even now... If she does make mistakes, and she does botch, and she does occasionally hurt people, she leans into it, which is what a heel is supposed to do. Like when she dropped the leg on Beth Phoenix there and walked away laughing and sticking her tongue out. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. You want to see them get beaten, don't you? Tamina, I'm a little indifferent with. Tamina, I think, is kind of bland. In fact, I can barely remember times when Tamina has actually spoken. But yeah... (laughs) <laughs> she's just simply doing her job as a heel <laughs> and works with hurting people. Indeed, again, you know, she's a heel who actually gets a heel reaction, which is very rare. Again, you want to see people overcome that. And the fact that she's bigger and stronger than most of the other women, again, it really helps. I know a lot of people were comparing Naya to uh, to Ryback and everything. I think the big difference is people people stay mad at Ryback. People don't seem to be staying mad in the company at least, at Naya. but yeah, she does, she still gets good heat in a day and age when heels, I think, find it harder and harder to get good heat. There's, you know, very few truly reprehensible heels anymore that you just want to see get defeated, but yeah, so that was that match, everyone. It was fine, you know, Sasha Bailey, they put on a good show because they always do because they're very talented, and they were the ideal first people to put those belts on but uh, after that we had oh uh, yes we had the big what ended up being a triple threat match Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Owens and the returning Mustafa Ali who they really they really gloss over but it's like oh yeah yeah Mustafa he was supposed to be in the elimination chamber uh, so he still had a shot so uh, yeah he he gets it now which actually ended up being genius booking because that means that eventually at the end of it all, he got to eat the uh, he got to eat the pin for Kevin Owen. so Kevin Owen stays looking strong. And also Mustafa looks strong too because he held his own against two champions, the current champion and a former champion. and he looked great doing it. He did all the big flashy top rope moves and everything and just ma'am. I I believe in Mustafa Ali. I have come around to him so strong. And I'm. it's smart writing to get him back in the mix the way they did. Because let's face it, if he didn't get hurt, he would have had Kofi's spot. Which means we wouldn't have gotten that great Kofi storyline. Potentially Mustafa Ali would have gotten that storyline. Because it looked like that's where they were going anyway. Because it was actually Daniel Bryan behind the scenes who actually wanted Mustafa Ali called up from 205 Live and be put on the main roster. Probably to be a WrestleMania uh, opponent. Oh, thank you, uh, thank you, old head tech. Welcome, welcome. See, I'm glad, I'm glad this thing's working. I got the alert thing working again. Also, I think are are, are you my 400th there, tech? I think you might have been my 400th. So, hey, congrats to me. We just hit 400. I do believe. Yeah, absolutely, hippie exterminator. Everybody looked strong in this match, everyone, this was put together so good, it actually felt a lot like a Ring of Honor match, honestly, which is no surprise, because at least two of the guys there were from Ring of Honor. This this match, too, also allowed us to see a lot of really good stuff for, uh, what is it, for face Kevin Owens, and oh man, I'm messing up all my pictures now. Uh, for face Kevin Owens, who gets in there. My favorite spot was the double super kick to Rowan on the outside. And even Rowan looked good here. I know I've said this on Twitter and it bears repeating. I think Rowan is in the best position he's ever been as Daniel Bryan's strong, silent type heater. They've got like this great, like hippie Sean and Diesel thing going on. He looks great. Looks intimidating, even more so next to Brian, because he's huge and his beard is bigger. You know, helps him cheat, helps him uh, put guys over, helps him eat pins. He's doing really good bodyguard work. Best he's ever done. And man, can he rock a t shirt. He can rock a great band shirt. He's finally found some good stuff to do. And I never thought he would, because every faction Rowan was in, I'm like, oh, you're not as good in the ring as Luke Harper, and you're not as good on the mic as Bray Wyatt. And you're not a freak of nature like Braun Strowman. You're just you're just a guy in a boiler suit. You're just a guy. But no, he's actually putting in really good work here. And you know, Kevin Owens again, really, really doing well with his face work. Now he's such he's such a, a Stone Cold Steve Austin style face. He's even taken the stunner as his finishing move, which I think is brilliant. I think that's so brilliant. The only way it could be better is if he could somehow modify it into a pop-up stunner, which is like he's marrying the pop-up power bomb and the stunner together. And, uh, oh, as KT brings up, too, the, st- uh, the story works, too, uh, because of what's going on with Kofi as well. Yes, yes, Daniel Bryan does amazing heel work in this, because as he's beating down Mustafa, he says, you do not belong here, is what he's saying, which, again, is everything people told Daniel Bryan when he was a face in a lead-up to WrestleMania. He he has lived long enough to see himself become the villain now. He is that bad guy who would have kept himself down, and that's so great. He has become Triple H. And that's so good. And again, when wrestling writing is good, it's really good. I don't know where they're going to go with this for Mania, if they're going to keep it a triple threat thing, if it's just going to be Kevin, if Kofi's going to be thrown into the mix, if it's going to be a multi-man of some kind. But uh, this, this ended up being a really good match. Everyone looked strong. The right person won the right way. And also, Daniel Bryan's chest was destroyed. If you follow him on Twitter, oh man, his chest was just beaten to death. Which of course, a lot of people were quick to say, "Hey, Ronda Rousey, wrestling's fake, huh?" Talk to talk to Daniel Bryan's chest on that one, but yeah, that 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 was a winner. That was a doozy. That was probably my second favorite of the night. I knew that one was gonna be good, and it lived up to the hype. Where the U.S. title, I didn't think would be good, and it ended up being really good. Uh, now, what else do we have here? Uh, oh, uh, oh, here we go. Yeah, here's here's the double super kick, the super kick in stereo. I wanted to show. Yeah, look, look how great that was. That's such a good guy moment of, oh, hey, look at us, and now we're totally gonna kick, uh, kick the bad guy in the face. That was, that was good stuff. Kevin Owens didn't wear his new shirt though. He's got the new yellow KO shirt. He should have worn that. Gotta, gotta get that through there. Uh, what else do we got going on? So, uh, oh no, women's match. Uh, Again, sorry for the technical troubles here, everyone, I'm using more pictures than I ever have before. Okay, women's match. Women's match was the next one here. Becky versus Charlotte. Oh, can can the scrappy face overcome the devious corporate heel on a bad leg on a tiny Tim Crutch? The answer is, uh, yeah. Yeah, she can, actually. With a little help from Heel Rhonda now. Who comes in to quote unquote save Becky cause she really wants to face her at Mania and everything. We we knew something like this had to happen. It was predictable, but just because it was predictable doesn't mean it wasn't good. And it was fun. Becky continues to be amazing on the mic, just being a sheer, you know, force of will and charisma. Just just owning it out there, just having a lot of fun, just doing good stuff there. It's. I mean, yeah. What what more can you say about it? They're building up to a heck of a mania match when we get there. A mania match that a lot of people are saying is going to be a uh, is going to be the main event. Uh, apparently, that's not written in stone yet. That was a uh, that was on all the dirt sheets today. They don't actually know who the main event is going to be. And honestly, we got some really strong contenders for a main event this year. I think, for historical sake, it should probably be the women's match. It should probably be that one, just to say, hey, we finally did it. But uh, yeah, some real some real strong contenders in that one. Uh, and then lastly, what did we have here? Oh, yes, we had The Shield versus the Who Gives a Fuck Crew. The Shield won one night only in what might very well be their last match together. Uh, Seth Rollins sure thought it would be their last match together because he swore out loud one, one last fucking time before they murdered Baron Corbin. And really, any match where they put Baron Corbin, you know, in the ground is a good one. Drew looked strong in this one. He he, re- he really gave Dean some shots here. Dean got beaten up on pretty hard. Which, I mean, if it's true he's leaving the company, I guess it's good he's putting guys over there. They don't gotta make him look strong anymore. This, this was a nothing match. This was a feel-good match to end the night, and... I guess if what's true is true, it truly did feel like it was going to be their last, uh, their last hurrah as the S.H.I.E.L.D. together, even so much to the point that they all came out uh, wearing their original S.H.I.E.L.D. gear. Roman's getting cheered again, too. Both, you know, because he's still riding the sympathy of his big return and everything, and to go right from that to a program with the S.H.I.E.L.D. where he was the most beloved anyway, that's pretty strong. That's pretty good. Exactly, it was an old school shield match. Who could ask for more? And if it is the last one, then at least they're going out on a high note on this one. I don't know what this means uh, for the other guys going into Mania. If Roman is even going to have a match, because on Twitter he made it sound like, oh, you know, I'm not coming back full time and everything. But yeah, it was uh, it was it was pretty solid. And overall, that was basically that was the, the that was fast lane. That was TV from this week as well, and uh, yeah, that uh, that was that, everyone, and pretty good timing, too, because we've almost reached a full hour. I guess if, uh, if there's some questions uh, from the chat, who is also my co-host, I will be sure to take those. Also, as well, for those who uh, missed it when uh, I started originally, uh, if you want a shirt, a fine shirt like the one I'm wearing right now, You can get it uh, via TeePublic, but moreover than that, uh, if you check out my storefront and use the code I put just in the chat right now, you will get 30% off, which is one of the biggest discounts they've ever done. So be sure to check that out. I have a ton of wrestling shirts and comic book themed shirts in my shop. So you can check that out. Yes, Longstar, I do watch a lot of New Japan. In fact, if you were here from the beginning, I actually basically gave a rundown of Gallus and Anderson's time in New Japan. And what it could possibly mean if they returned to New Japan or AEW? See, that's that's why I started this show too, everyone, because I just really want to talk about AEW when that comes out. Because I'm super invested in that being the elite, all that stuff. Uh, the show Cody is doing on his channel right now. I watched the new one of that today to set up his potential mystery feud. Which ooh, uh, the rumor shooting around there that it might be Bob Holly. That they might get Bob Holly back for a match. Uh, Which title belt would you get a replica of? Ooh, good question, KT. I like the Intercontinental Champion, actually, uh, Championship KT. I think it looks the nicest. It's always been the worker's belt. Some of my favorite people have held the Intercontinental title. Some people never got past the Intercontinental title. I think it's one of the best looking ones. I really, really does. I really, really dig it. Ooh, when WWE does a showcase career mode, does it work better when the wrestler is uh, retired? Yeah, Legend of Shazam, it does work better when they're retired, because at least you can get it done with, and there's a proper ending. Ooh, favorite wrestler, that's a tough one. Uh, I mean, on the current WWE roster, probably Kevin Owens, probably my favorite. He was the guy who, again, when I started watching fairly recently, kept me watching because he was a Canadian like me, had a physique like mine. Was just a nice guy when you follow his career. He just, you know, took the long way there. In NXT, hm oh, there's so many good people in NXT. Ciampa or Baszler because they're just amazing villains. I gravitate more towards the villains, but, you know, Gargano's a great face. You gotta love him. Juice Robinson in ROH in New Japan. I like him because he looks like a Technicolor pimp every time he comes out. He's pretty great. I mean, Minoru Suzuki in New Japan as well because he's just a scary scary human being uh favorite wrestler most overrated wrestler who's who's overrated who who don't i care about Ah, that's rough i can't i can't i can't explain that one tell you what come come watch a show with me and if i fast forward past it then you're probably pretty overrated (laughs) uh ooh, uh sammy callahan too just another great villain again shows some tna some love they they actually know what to do with him over there holy crap RVD versus DDP versus MJF versus EC3. Uh, Whoever has more letters, uh, E -E equals MC squared, wins that one. (laughs) But yeah, everyone, that's uh, that's the wrestling show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Do stick around, though. I'm not going anywhere. Actually, I'm gonna put on a little uh, Wildlands for a second. In fact, if you are a fan of this and if you stuck around for. the wrestling show i think you'll like what i do in wildlands over on twitch because you're going to see you're going to see a familiar face that i put a lot of time painstakingly into creating so i will i will end the stream but don't go nowhere because i'm coming right back uh once i set up the game so thank you all for watching thank you for following for donating and everything else you did and i will be uh, i will be back in just a moment